to be here. Please have a seat. And uh, it's really exciting, actually, that uh, thanks, Marcus and Michelle, for bringing uh, your people with us this morning. That's great. And it's good to be with you, Jeremy and, and Anita. We, we really do appreciate the fact that uh, we have the opportunity to share with both churches here this morning um, because we've got something really important, I believe, really important that we want to say. And uh, so I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that we get a chance to share this morning. Um, this is actually the first time that we've, we've been through Stanthorpe a few times, but we've never really taken the time to have much of a look around. I've got to tell you, I don't know how you're as skinny as you are, because uh, there's just so many good places to eat around here, isn't there? I had the best steak sandwich I've ever had in my life yesterday. Seriously, the best steak sandwich I've ever had in my life. Uh, we went over here to, um, to the cheese place and we had all these cheese tasting things and then, then to the jam and we ate all the jam uh, and then out to the Christmas farm. I've never seen such perfect Christmas trees in all my life. <laughs> I couldn't believe the place. So here we are, you know, at the back of Stanthorpe and this, this has got to be one of the greatest Christmas shops in Queensland out here. And uh, I, I think I've never been there before, right? I mean, we lived at Ipswich for I don't know how many decades. And uh, Stanthorpe's not that far away, really. And uh, here we are in, you know, I mean, all it had to do was start snowing and I'd have sworn I was at the North Pole. <laughs> and it does snow out here too, but not, not normally this time of the year. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a real honour and it's great to be with you. Um, I, I want to share with you this morning what I consider to be a really, really important a topic for our time. I don't know how many of you would, would agree with me that modern culture, uh, the day and age in which we live in, has been the least able to produce patience of any other culture in human history. Uh, and, and I'll give you some examples of why I believe this to be the case. If, if company A can provide you with a product by Friday next week, but company B can get you that same product by Wednesday. By Friday the following week, company A is out of business, right? Because we want what we want and we want it now. Um, I wonder, to be honest, if Joseph went to prison today, because we all, many of you in this room probably know the story of Joseph. If Joseph went to prison today for unjust reasons, as he did, as recorded in the book of Genesis, I wonder what we would do. I wonder if, if we would allow all those years for God to do his work on Joseph that would have allowed Joseph to finally be risen up to become the prime minister and the most powerful, arguably the most powerful person on the planet at that time, uh, perhaps uh, outside of Pharaoh himself. Uh, I, I wonder if we would let that happen or if we'd be out on the streets, you know, campaigning for our rights, you know, marching and saying, you know, let Joseph out. This is unjust. This is not right. And uh, we, we hire some, you know, no, we know, pay lawyer or something to, uh, to right the wrong. Because you know? what happened to Joseph was wrong. And it was wrong. But God was doing something in the life of Joseph that over a season caused him to be raised up to significant uh, heights within, uh, within God's kingdom and obviously within the, kingdom, the kingdoms of this world. Um, once upon a time, some of you remember this. Once upon a time, if you um, had an issue with somebody, right, you had an issue with a company, say, let's just say, I don't know, for sake of argument, you know, and Telstra and no aspersions if you work for Telstra, they're a great company. But just imagine, you know, that the phone coverage wasn't good enough in your place or something went wrong, right? And, and your, your phone plan wasn't doing what they promised. And you wanted to write them a letter. You used to get a thing called a typewriter. You know, you just put the paper in, roll it in, you know, type away, click, 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 click. And then when you finish writing the letter, bring it out, then read it. Make sure there was no spelling mistakes, no grammar mistakes. 
right? Then you'd have to correct it, put another piece of paper in, type it out again. Then when you'd get it out, you'd read it again. Then you'd have to sign it. Then you'd have to find a thing they call an envelope, right? You'd have to put it into this thing they call an envelope, find a stamp, and, and, and find your way down to these old-fashioned things called post boxes, right? And you'd have to post the letter. Good grief, it could take hours. <laughs> Who could be bothered, right? I mean, nowadays, if you've got an issue with Qantas or whoever, you just get on Twitter, you, you tweet, 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 but it's all gone in about five seconds and it's done. And you've let the world know what you think and you've told them what the situation is. My goodness, uh, who could go back to those old days where you had to wait to do stuff? You know, I'm dreaming of the day with one-click shopping. You know, I'm dreaming of the day when, when I, I, I can buy what I want, you know, just as I'm leaving the office, and by the time I get home, some drones delivered it to my front door. <sighs> I haven't had to go parking, haven't had to get to a shop, haven't had to wait a minute, boom, it's there. And that's, this is what modern culture is affording us. But unfortunately... Um, Anything in real life that, that has value attached to it requires this thing that, well, we don't see a lot of today, this thing called patience. Um, it's critical. Patience is critical. Well, firstly, if you want to inherit the promises of God, because the Bible says with faith and, faith and patience they inherited the promises of God, right? So if you want to inherit the promises of God, you have to develop this thing called patience. But even more than that... Um, if you want to have a successful relationship and you want to stay married for more than a decade, then you better develop patience if you want to be happily married, that is. Uh, if, if, you, if you want to do anything of substance, if you want to have a career of substance, you better develop patience. You see, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but society today is taking more drugs to placate their, their, uh, uh, their lack of peace of heart than ever before in the history of mankind. Uh, we seem to be suffering with more what is defined as mental illness than we've ever seen in the history of the human race right now. And, and I want to put to you that once upon a time there was this psychological safe middle ground called patience. And patience stood as a fine bulwark between my life, everything's going swimmingly, right? Everything's fine, and, and breakdown. And this, oh no, it's the worst thing ever. You know, my life moves into some kind of actual mental illness, some kind of actual sense in which my life is falling apart, right? I, I'm in living in distress. And there was between this, everything's fine and distress, this, thing, this middle ground, a safe middle ground that we defined as patience. But I'll tell you what's happening. And this is, this is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Is that this ground is evaporating before our very eyes. And people go from everything's great, everything's tickety-boo, fine and dandy, to my life is falling apart in a moment. <laughs> um, marriage is falling apart like never before. I read the other day that uh, something like uh, 60% of drivers on roads in Queensland have been, you know, the uh, recipient of road rage, where people are just driving down the road singing their favorite song, and the next minute they're off their charts yelling and screaming at someone who's just happened to pull out in the lane in front of them, right? So, so they've gone from this, you know, life is great to my life is falling apart 
in a nanosecond. When once upon a time, there was a thing there called patience, but culture is stealing patience from our heart. And you might think, oh, well, it's no big deal. I want to suggest to you that it's a major issue. Because patience stands between your experience and emotional breakdown. Nothing in life is established without it that has substance attached to it. And we are dealing right now with what I want to suggest to you is a crisis of patience evaporation. It's disappearing. It's it's no longer there. Um, So what we're going to do this morning... In a moment, we're going to turn to uh, the epistle of James. I think James is a good guy to look at to learn about patience because James grew up in a house with Jesus. He was his brother, right? Could you imagine living in a house with Jesus? I mean, could you imagine when mum and dad's, the family friends come over? You would be invisible, right? <laughs> Everybody wants to see Jesus. Who is this young man? What's this young man about? I mean, you'd be in the... Could you imagine the sibling rivalry if your brother actually was the son of God? I mean, just didn't think he was the son of God like many of our brothers did, you know? No, 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 actually was the son of God? I mean, could you imagine living in a household? Could you imagine playing hide and seek with him? Wouldn't it be annoying, right? Man, you'd find the greatest hidey help. I got you. Ah. And, and, and you, as I said, you'd be used to being totally and utterly invisible. No, nobody would notice you because Jesus shone so brightly that no one else could be seen in the home. I reckon if there's anybody who can teach us about patience, it's got to be this bloke who actually didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God to somewhat late in his life, his life experience. Initially, they, he thought he was mad, but, you know, let's be, let's be honest. If your brother thought he was the son of God, you'd probably think he was mad too, right? Some of you sitting there saying, I think my brother did think that. But anyhow, that's, let's not go there. So, so, so we're going to take a reading, and we're going to learn a lot today about patience and just see what this guy has to say to us. So, Father, open our eyes today, and I pray, Lord, that you speak directly to our hearts from the experience of, uh, of your earthly brother here, James, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It says this in chapter um, 5, verse 7. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. He, he, he leads there with a really strong suit. He leads there with a really powerful idea. He says this. He says, If you don't have hope, you can't have patience. Did you see that? If there's no hope in your heart, There's no patience in your hand. So you won't be able to be patient with your spouse. You won't be able to be patient with your children. You won't be able to be patient with your employees or your employer if there's no hope. And so he's he's here staying right up front as he wants to build a foundation of patience in our life that is predicated. The foundation of this is hope because he points to the coming of the Lord, which is the ultimate great hope that we have. Don't lose that. Be patient based on hope. And then he says this, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn, the spring rains. You too be patient, stand firm because the coming of the Lord is near. He repeats the the hope again. 
And the truth is, uh, many of you obviously would know this, that you put a, a seed into the ground, you've got to wait for it to germinate. You've got to be patient. You've got to wait for those roots to start to take their way down to the soil and then for its head to pop up into the, uh, into the sunlight and for the thing then to mature over time. And finally, it will bring forth fruit. But it takes time. And you've got to wait. Any skill takes time. In fact, they tell me that it takes 10,000 hours to develop a skill if you want to derive an income from it. 10,000 hours of going over it and over it and over it and over it. And the point simply is this. If you want to do anything in life that's going to bring substance and life to others, then it takes patience. It takes time. He goes on and says this. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. And his point there is that if you want to get on with people, you're going to have to be patient with people. Why? Because people will annoy you. That's why. People will do the wrong thing. People will let you down. They will slight you. They will disappoint you. They, uh, they, they will put you offside. That's what people do. And here's the thing. I mean, Peter quotes Solomon where he says, love covers a multitude of sins. And, and, and you can point out their miscomings. Uh, you, you can point out their, their failings. You can point it out all the time. You go, well, that's no, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that. And you'll be a lonely old person. <laughs> or you will let love cover a multitude of sins. When Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians, the uh, the great chapter of love. You know, yesterday, of course, Saturday, there would have been weddings all around the, the nation, I imagine, and 1 Corinthians 13 would have been sprouted, you know, from, from pulpit to, uh, uh, to yards to all kinds of places. The first thing Paul uses to describe love is love is patient. Yeah. So if you're going to love someone, you've got to be patient with them, which means overlooking a multitude of sins. If you're going to grumble, if you're going to complain, if you're going to constantly point out, then, you know, pretty soon things will start to fall apart. One-click relationships. You know, we've got these phones today, you get these apps and you go one-click and boom, you know, you can meet somebody and, you know, you can find your perfect match. What a load of nonsense this is, folks. <laughs> There's no such thing, you know. You know, I heard this old bloke, and he got on, and he, he, um, he kept finding Middle Eastern men, but then he realized it was Uber, not, uh, not a dating app, but that's okay. <laughs> but, you see, but you see, the whole concept of, you know, getting a phone and downloading an app and filling in your information and pushing a button and your perfect match, you know, magically appearing, it's a load of absolute crock, right? It's nonsense, it does not exist. It takes patience. Has done for the last 2,000 years and it hasn't changed in the last 10. Strangely enough, right? Strangely enough. <laughs> As you reckon today in Queensland, 30 couples separate every day. Uh, marriage is full apart. Look, I'm not casting aspersions. You're here today and your, your relationship is broken down. I don't know the reasons why. Uh, all I know is this, is that we are right now in a crisis we're in a crisis of the lack of patience. It's a crisis in our society right now. He goes on and he says this, um, James speaking, he says, uh, the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, um, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Have you heard of Job's perseverance? And have you seen what the Lord finally brought about? And what he's talking about here, we're going to take, we're going to take uh, his point up here in a moment too, by the way. We're going to look at Job uh, as we finish. James here points to Job, so we're going to follow that through. I'm going to show you something in a verse in Job you've probably never seen before. You want to write it. You want to, you want to keep a note of this because this verse in Job is quite remarkable when it comes to this very issue that uh, James alludes to right here. But before we get there, he's here talking about patience in suffering. And we're not talking here about, you know, the slights that people give you, the disappointments and the annoyances. We're talking here about genuine, real, hard, fair dinkum grief, right? And nobody gets through life without facing grief. I don't care how old you are. I don't care who you are. You will have grief in your life. Um, we just had yesterday my, my brother's um, uh, wife at our place, and my brother died uh, last Christmas, um, three days before Christmas, had a heart attack like that. Um, he was a few years old than I was, but still too young to go. And uh, just out of nowhere, he was in the bathroom. Next thing I got a phone call, and within a few minutes he'd gone, and like that. And, and we all have to face grief. We've all got to deal with it. And my point is simply this, if you don't develop patience, grief will eat you alive. Did you hear that? If you don't develop patience, grief will eat you alive. And there's no escaping it. There's no faithing your way around grief. I don't care what you believe or or what you think, every one of us is going to have to come to terms with, is going to have to look in the face of grief. It's a desert you must cross on foot. There's no free carpet rides. If you don't develop patience, you won't be able to deal with it. That's what James is alluding to here. And then he makes this last phrase really in, in, in these, um, these ideas on patience, and it's quite profound. It seems to come out of left field. He says this, for the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Why say that? Like, where does that thought come from? And why is it applicable in this train of thinking? And I want to suggest to you that it's incredibly important. As a matter of fact, this is the impatience that underscores all other impatience. And what he's talking about here is being patient with God. So we get impatient with God because God doesn't do what we think he ought, by the time we think he ought, in the way we think he ought. And so he's saying to these people here, whoever's reading this letter that James is writing, he's saying, you've got to be patient with people. You've got to be patient to get the job done. You're going to have to be patient to get through the grief of life. But if you're not patient with God, then none of that, you won't have the patience to deal with any of those other issues. He says time and time again, the coming of the Lord is near. The coming of the Lord is near. But you need to be patient. There'll come a day when he wipes out every tear. There'll come a day when pain and suffering evaporates. That day is coming. That's our great hope. The coming of the Lord, but that is not now. right? That's not in this moment. So you, until that time, until God solves all problems, you be patient with God. You be patient with God. 
we, um, we uh, pastored in Ipswich for 35 years. We were on the team for 35 years, led the church there for 27 years. And um, this whole ACCI thing came to bear uh, towards the end of um, 2019 and then, you know, into 2020. And we were making decisions and all ready to go and going to um, resign the church and hand the church over. And it was, a, was it March that year when ScoMo came out and said, she's all over, we're cut, shutting the country down. And uh, we, we were all ready to make this announcement. And all of a sudden... <laughs> put it in a reverse I'm not resigning online after 35 years you know <laughs> I'm telling the church through some little screen and by the way when we come back we won't be here uh, that wasn't going to happen and so all of our plans and uh, all of our well laid ideas had to be jettisoned had to be rethought through we had to we, if, here's my point if you don't have patience you're not going to survive this current climate, because you just don't know what's going to happen next. That's the truth, folks. If there's one thing that we need right now, perhaps more than ever, maybe, is the thing that is being stolen from us, and that's patience. And so we're going to get out and march and do this and do that because we're just impatient with our current plight. Now, I'm sympathetic with that, and I understand that, but I wonder where the role of patience has gone in this, of, of being patient with God and relying on God and saying, well, God will have his way and, and, and God, what are you up to? Um, you know, we were supposed to go a little bit later that year to uh, the UK for the, the marriage of our third daughter. <laughs> yeah, that went well too. And uh, uh, that was all sort of planned and, and everything. And, and uh, actually, I should say she was coming here. We weren't going there. She was coming here. And uh, we'd booked venues and put down deposits and photographers and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, what do you do with all that stuff? It's all gone. It's all gone. So she got married in the UK. We watched it online and, you know, and the family photos is, is us on the computer screen and them in front of the computer screen, you know. <laughs> now... Uh, all things being equal, uh, she arrives here in two weeks, and we have another wedding on the 15th of January, right? Her, uh, and, you know, this will be the wedding with her family and everything like that, right? But it's the 15th of January, still a couple of months away, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're being patient, we're trusting, and we're believing God, right? Because the truth of the matter is, someone said living today is like hurtling down the highway with nothing on but your parking lights, you know? <laughs> You just don't know what's, around, what's too far up ahead. You, know? you sort of, you got to keep moving and you just hope that you're going to have a, 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 enough flexibility to deal with what's around the corner because you don't know. You can't see. You need patience. Patience isn't stoicism, right? It's not this stiff upper lip. It's not shut up and get over it, right? That's not patience. Um, patience is this deep knowing that God is at work. Uh, patience is this, this abiding presence of God with you, irrespective of the circumstances. The opposite of patience is self-pity, uh, um, melting down into this self-kind of obsessed individual that can't look outside of their own little environment. That's the opposite of patience. Um, so here's the, here's the question now. How do you develop it? And, and I'm going to give you some really concrete answer 
three things that we see. We, we see them from James, we see them from Job. I'm going to give you one verse from Job that ties the whole thing together. Um, you might want to jot some things down because you'll probably get home and say, what was that second one again? What was the second one? Because if you need to develop patience, and my sneaking suspicion is you do, uh, the Bible shows us how to do this, how to develop patience, right? I mean, I'd love to be able to have an altar call right now and say, who needs patience? And you need it right now. Get out here and I'll lay my hands on you. We'll have it immediately. <laughs> Seems a bit self-defeating, really, doesn't it, right? Um. So I want to give you three ideas that will develop patience in your life. First one is this, um, process disappointments in prayer. What we see with Job, and remember, James points to Job as the exemplar here. What we see with Job is not this stoicism. He's kicking and screaming. He's not happy. But the one thing Job got right was he never cut the connection with God. Some horrible things happened with Job. Job had to deal with some deep grief. But no matter what happened, there's this connection with Job. And, and Job is letting God have it, frankly. And, and what I'm saying to you is, there's your model. Let God have it. If you're unhappy, don't think somehow that you're going to offend God because you're not. The best thing that you can do is let God know exactly how you feel. Don't bottle your emotions up. Don't pretend everything's right when everything in your opinion isn't right. What you need to be able to do is have a sense of freedom and articulate it. Give God both barrels. Don't kick the dog. Give it to God, right? Don't make the kids suffer. Give it to God. If in your life right now, there are things going on and you think, oh, I need patience with this circumstance. I need patience with this person. I need patience with this thing that's going on in my life. Let God know what it is you thought should have happened that isn't happening. What I'm simply saying is, hey, sometimes things need to be acknowledged as being bad. Right? One of the prophets wrote a whole book called Lamentations. Think about it. <laughs> Now, everything's great. Everything's great. I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith. Yeah, you can live by faith. It doesn't mean you, that there's no reality in your world. If things aren't good in your world, acknowledge it and bring it, take it, tell it to God. Because that's exactly what the exemplar of patience, this fellow Job, as we read his book, we find him constantly doing taking stuff to God. He never broke the communications. You know, um, you might say to me, oh, I don't feel like it though. I'm angry with God. I don't feel like talking to God. Have you ever sort of been like that with your husband? What? I don't feel like talking to him. I'm angry with him now. <laughs> sort of put him out there in the cold room for a while. <laughs> just cut him off. Um, or maybe you don't feel like, you know, just get out of my face, kids. I can't deal with you now, right? Or just, just give me some space. I don't feel like talking to you. I don't feel like going to church. Maybe you've had a bad week and you've done some, you know, some things you shouldn't have done, right? And you think, well, if I go to church, I'm, you know, and this is no aspersions on the people at the back, but I'm just going to sit up the back and hey, I understand there's all seats are full, so that's not here. But uh, in churches where there's plenty of empty seats, but you sit at the back, you know, and, and your hands are in your pockets and, you know, the, the, the worship leader says, you know, let's lift up our hands and worship God. Don't feel like it. 
Well, what do you mean you don't feel like it? Well, God knows what I've done this week, and I know what I've done this week, and uh, I'm sure God doesn't really want me to worship him right now because <laughs> he's not happy with me. I don't feel like it. Let, let, let me say this to you, right? Let me say that you can't control your feelings, but you can control your actions. Did you get that? You can't control your feelings, but you can control what you do. And you may not feel like praying. doesn't mean you don't pray. Sometimes there are things you feel like doing, but you don't because you're a mature adult. Because <laughs> you can't always control your feelings. You can seldom control your feelings. But you can always control your actions. Love is what you do, not how you feel. Hello? There's a maxim for the modern society, isn't it? Eh? I'm just feeling the love. No. <laughs> Love's not how you feel, oh, but she makes me feel so good. Yeah, well, that's great. But love's not, that's not what love is. Love's what you do. Love is patient. Love is kind. They are verbs, not feelings, folks. How many know what I'm talking about? Love's not how you feel. Love's what you do. Hope isn't what you feel. Hope is what you do. I don't feel hopeful. That doesn't matter. You continue to pray. Oh, but I'm not feeling it, Pastor. I don't care if you're feeling it. You don't always feel married, right? But marriage isn't a feeling. Marriage is a fact. It's an action. You've walked down the aisle. You've exchanged vows. You've exchanged rings. You're married. You don't wake up tomorrow and say, oh, I'm just not feeling it today, love. Maybe we're not married anymore. No. It's not based on a feeling. It's based on a fact. It's based on something that you've done. Your Christianity, folks, is not based on how you're feeling to God today. It's based on a fact. Jesus Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago. He died and rose again. There's your Christianity. It's not how you're feeling today. Oh, I don't really feel like I like God. In fact, I don't like God today. Well, get over it. Tell, tell him, right? I mean, have you ever seen, ever been in a, a supermarket or something? Because three-year-olds sort of crack up and carry on because they didn't get a lollipop. And they're letting their mum or their dad know it. <laughs> their mum and dad say, well, that's it. I'm not having another bar of you and walk off and go and find another kid. <laughs> they don't do that, do they? Every parent in the house said, I felt like it, but you didn't. You didn't do it. Because that's your, your God's child. You're not going to offend God. God's not going to go, oh, well, that's what you think of me. Well, then you can forget it. <laughs> that's not going to happen. God's not some emotional teenager. You've got to, it, what we have to learn to do is process your disappointment in prayer, whether you feel like it or whether you don't. It doesn't matter. You do it. You can control your actions. I, I don't know. There's people watching online. I don't know everyone in the room, obviously. Maybe you're here today and you're not a, a, a follower of Jesus. I read a book, a memoir of a, of a guy who was a secular Jew who today is a Christian because every day he would leave for work and he would pray. And he'd pray about yesterday's issues and today's matters and blah, 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 blah. And he, and he makes the observation that he actually started off in the, um, 
trying to get to work as quickly as he could. But in the end, he was taking detours and leaving earlier so that he could spend more time in prayer. Because he found the longer he spent in prayer, the better his day went. He wasn't even a Christian. So what I'm saying to you today is if you're not a Christian, give this a go. Just, just take it all up, write it all out if, you, if you've got to clarify it, and then give it all to God. Every bit of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Give it all to God. Number one, process disappointment in prayer. Okay? Great. Number two, um, commit an act of humility. James says in chapter 4, he says, say if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we'll go here. If the Lord wills, we go there. We like to assume that we're in control. There's one thing this last season has taught us is that we have a lot less control of our lives than we'd maybe like to have thought. Um, but there is this tendency in us to sort of lean towards being our own God and, and, and thinking that we know and we can work it out and, and that we can, um, through our own ingenuity and our own smarts, figure out the outcome. Um, what James is saying, is, is saying to us here is, uh, acknowledge the fact that you're not in control of your life. If the Lord wills, we will do this. Because I know no matter how much time and effort I put into establishing my plans, no matter how much finance I put into you know, um, organizing and, and putting things in place, I still don't know that's going to happen. Because you're not God. You're not God and He is. There's the ultimate act of humility, folks. The ultimate act of humility is to recognize that you're not God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And, and one of the things that, that Proverbs does tell us, if you want to look at wisdom for just half a moment here, is that uh, there is no process to wisdom. Wisdom is the person you become. You become a person of wisdom. And if, when you do a study of Proverbs, you realize that that person of wisdom is actually a person of humility. Uh, that, that humble decisions are always wise decisions. Wise decisions are always, always humble decisions. And what is more humble than the recognition that you are not God? Pride, one of the words for pride in Hebrew basically is, you know, the sense of personal God. The glory of God is mine. But when I recognize, okay, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do my best. But in the end, I am not God. He is God. I thought this should have happened, and I thought that should have happened, and I'm upset about this. But you know something? I'm not God. And so I, I, I commit my steps, I commit the paths of my life to Him. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to acknowledge the fact that if I acknowledge Him, He will direct my paths. And so the paths of my life will head towards where He wants me to be. So I'm going to acknowledge something here. I'm going to acknowledge that no matter how intelligent and how smart and how experienced and how gifted I am, I ain't God. But He is God. And so I'm going to commit an act of humility. I'm going to process my disappointments in prayer. Then I'm going to commit an act of humility. Then, James chapter 1, verse four, uh, 2 says, Can it all joy, brethren, when you fall into trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces, here's the word, patience. And he says this, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfectly complete, lacking nothing. What's the third thing? You want to write this down? The third thing is this. Vote for your growth. Embrace your own growth. Did you see that? He says, count it all joy when trials come. 
Right? So things aren't going as I, had, as I had hoped or expected because they're testing your faith. And the testing of your faith produces the very thing we're looking for here, patience. And he goes on and says, and patience has its work. You lack nothing. When patience has its work in your life, you become more like Jesus. That's what it means to lack nothing, being complete in Christ. You, you become more like Jesus. So what you're going through right now, if you're going through a trial, if you're going through a tough time, if you are developing patience, it can do one or two things for you. It can either destroy you, cause you mental and emotional breakdown, or it can make you more like Jesus. What would you rather it to do? Where would you rather this leave you? Bitter, twisted, um, entitled, or more like Christ? It's kind of a decision that, that you've got to make. But I want to suggest to you that you make the decision to vote for your growth. See, you, you, can, you can say, this is destroying me. This is, this is hurting me. This isn't what I'd hoped. I, I'm feeling the pain of this, this the pain of this betrayal or the, or, 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 or the pain of, of, of this lack. And I don't know if I'm going to survive. Or you can say, you know, my hope's in the Lord. My faith is in Him. I don't understand what's going on. I'm not God, but I tell you this one thing I know. I know that on the other side of this, I'm going to be able to be of more benefit to more people because I'm going to be a bigger, stronger person. I know that on the other side of this, my foundations are going deeper and deeper and deeper. And the deeper my foundations go, the higher my life can, can achieve. How many know that the height of a building is determined by the depth of its foundations? Right. So what's going on right now is the foundations are going down deep. Why? So God can build the life high. And by high, I mean um, affecting many people, right? Bringing hope and life to people. The more people you can bless because the deeper the foundations have gone. You're seeing this as God doing something inside of you that's transforming and changing you so that when the day comes for your emancipation, if you're Joseph, you'll be ready to be the prime minister. Or when the day comes, you know, for, for the season to end, then the next season God would be able to avail you of much because of the work that's happened in your life. Vote for your growth. Not just for yourself, because your growth will be a blessing to your family. It will be a blessing to your children. Your children's children will be a blessing to your church. It will be a blessing to your community. Vote for your growth, not just for yourself. Vote for your growth for others. Because your growth will only mean the increase of your capacity to bless others. I said I was going to finish with a verse from Job that ties all this together. And, and I'm going to get you, to, if you want to write it down, it's worthwhile writing down. It's Job 23, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read it. When I read it, you'll see it. If I didn't tell you first and read it, you may not have seen it. But now I've explained this, I'll read this, and it's like I'm sure that the, uh, the penny will drop. It says this, I do not see him to the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. What's he saying there? God is watching from a distance. <laughs> you know, the earth looks blue and green and snow-capped mountains white. <laughs> from a distance, God's out there somewhere. And I'm sure where God is, it all looks good. But i got to tell you, in my microcosm, the world is falling apart. 
but he's still looking for God. That's the point. He's processing this after God. He hasn't turned his back on God. He's processing it after God. But he knows where I am going. What's he saying there? He's God and I'm not. He knows what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I can't even find him in this circumstance. But he knows my faith, my confidence, my hope is secure and strong in him. He says, and he knows where I'm going. And here it is. When he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Did you see that? He voted for his growth, didn't he? See, what Job just showed us was everything I just told you. From the using James, but James points to Job. And and, and there it is. And and just as you know, as as we close, um, and the team want to start to make their way up, that that'd be growing. Um, let's just fix our wise on Jesus. We've been seeing a lot about that. Lifting high the name of Jesus. Because let's think about that for a moment. Jesus was patient with people. Uh, He was crucified by the Pharisees. In the book of Acts, there's records of those same Pharisees coming to Christ in faith. (laughs) That's patience with the people who crucified you, isn't it? He literally turned them around. He had patience with God. He said, God, let your will be done and not mine. I'm going to be patient with you. Of course, he had patience in the whole process. He spent 33 years on the earth, the Son of God, to work this thing out. It didn't happen in a moment. Patience in what he did. Patience with grief as he was on the cross and said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus displayed all the elements that James talks about. That, that grief is, that patience is required in your life. And so I commend it to you today. I commend James to you today. I commend the example of his brother Christ to you today. And the pointing to Job. As we live in this fast-paced world that's only getting faster, and as upgrades continue to come and roads, new highways, and we'll be able to get places quicker and, and be able to get stuff faster. And, 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 and as the world becomes a, a more succinct and smaller place, and as people lose sight more and more and more of patience, folks, we now today in this room, if you're here, you can start a revolution. You can start a revival. We, we, we can start a movement of patience. I don't know how many people will go, yeah, give me patience. Because let's start marching for patience. We want patience. Well, if you want to hear it, the promises of God, you do. You want to have a successful life with others, you do. You want to have a life that matters, you do. And you want to have a faith that endures. You do. It's very precious, folks. It's very needed. Process your disappointments in prayer. Acknowledge that you're not God and choose your growth. Choose, vote for your own growth. You do that and patience will develop. And that the faith and the promises of God will be yours. Can we stand together? Let's stand together.
Let's just close our eyes for a moment. We're going to sing the song we were talking, singing before about Jesus in uh, just a minute. In just a minute. Because before we get there, um, I, I do want us all just to bow our heads and close our eyes. I know there's a lot of people in the room and it's quite crowded. But right now, I, I want you just to imagine that there's no one in the room but you and God. And I want you to think for a moment of those things that have just been playing on your nerves, playing on your heart this week. But maybe it's just this week, or maybe it's been this season. Um, maybe there's a, a, an impending crisis that's causing you grief. Or maybe there's a circumstance that's happened that's invoked grief in your heart. Maybe there's a relationship that's at a straining point right now, and you know why. You know the reasons why in your heart why this thing isn't working the way it ought. And I'm going to lead you in prayer. And as I lead you in prayer, I'm just going to ask you, you don't have to say it out loud, but just in your own heart, I'm going to ask you this morning to, um, uh, to verbalize it to God, to tell God what it is that's annoying you. Tell God what it is you're frustrated with. And I, I want us all, if we can all participate, all, all the better. All right? I know we're, time's nearly done and we're going to get kids and et cetera, et cetera. But if we can just hang in for a few more minutes, just focus in on God. I'm going to lead in prayer. I want you to just be aware right now of the burdens and the, uh, and the problems that you're carrying. And, and I want you to verbalize that internally to God as I pray. Father, I come right now in Jesus' name with this congregation of people. And Father, we live in this, uh, this sin-affected, fallen world where things, Father God, don't always go in accordance with our hopes, plans, and dreams. Lord, we're living with people who, Lord, we don't always meet their expectations and they don't always meet our expectations. And Lord, this can be a complicated world in which we find ourselves because of the advent of sin. And Father God, we just bring these things to you now in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we, we enumerate them. Lord, we, we articulate them. We, we let you know, Father God, these things, these burdens that we are carrying, these things that are causing us trouble in our hearts, they're causing us concerns in our minds. They're, they're, they're bringing about worrisome thoughts. And Father God, right now, through the name of Jesus Christ, we bring them before you. We hand them over to you. We let you know what, we let you know what they are, Father God, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we, we, we now, Father God, recognize that we don't understand why, but we don't understand where. We don't really comprehend how. But Lord, we recognize your sovereignty and we recognize your power. And Lord, whilst things don't always eventuate according in accordance with our plans, Lord, we recognize today that we can trust you. And so, Father God, right now, we lay down our sovereignty over our own life and we recognize that we are not God, but that you are God. That you have your way in our lives as we surrender to you. So, Lord, we surrender our Lordship to you today in recognition that we are not in complete control in Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that as a result of this season, 
we're going to see the kingdom of God advance. Lord, as a result of what's transpiring, as a result of, uh, of the growth, Lord, that this person is causing me, that I'm going to be a greater blessing to others because of it. Lord, as a result of the growth that this circumstance, that this situation is causing me, that I'm going to be a greater blessing to others because of it. And I give you thanks, Lord, today for what you're going to do through my life in the future because the issues that I've been able to face today. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Because that's Jesus, the model that we saw in you. So we give you glory and honor this morning in his name. Let's worship together. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus. Come on, church, shout Jesus. You sing. Shout Jesus from the mountain. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the dark. the holy name Jesus shout Jesus shout Jesus from the mountain Jesus in the streets Jesus in the dark so for every end Jesus for my When we declare there is power, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Cause your name is power, your name your name is healing your name is life break every stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire I don't know about you but what a powerful word this morning amen can we thank Pastor John for a great message encouraging us today, helping us to be patient. How many of us needed patience as we arrived today? Where's my seat? What do I do? It's all different. But anyway, it's all good. There's a few things that are going to happen now. Uh, our kids' uh, church will be finishing up and there's a jumping castle for them. We're putting on a sausage sizzle outside under the marquee so we can move outside and have fellowship together in that space because there's enough room under there for us all. And uh, just have a great time together. As you go out, there are sunflowers. And so they are free. Someone brought them today and said, you know what? Whoever wants some sunflowers, go for it. They're beautiful. Make sure you take them because I don't want them left here. So <laughs> that'll be great. Help yourself to those. But be blessed. Your coffees will come out. There'll be ice cream, I think, as well. It's all happening. But have a great time of fellowship and be blessed today in Jesus' name.